Good morning. Hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd, and today we come to a conclusion and draw our summer series called Selah to a conclusion today. And we end with, as Cynthia mentioned, probably one of the most familiar passages in all of Scripture. And if you have your Bibles, you can take your Bibles out and turn to the 23rd Psalm. And we're going to briefly today take a look at uh, maybe a familiar passage, a familiar psalm. But I want you to get a picture of what that psalm is really about because I don't believe that we are as familiar with it as we might think from the outside. So today, if you came in and um, you have experienced fear, if you've been afraid, if you've ever been angry, or if you've ever been alone, uh, Psalm 23 is for you. And I would imagine that uh, all of us at some point in our lives have been afraid, we may have been angry, we may have been alone, and sometimes we experience all three of those at once, am I right? Today's message, I believe, is for you. Today's passage, today's psalm is, is for you. And today's psalm is, is one, as, as we mentioned a few times, that, that we're all very familiar with. But it's interesting because all throughout the Old Testament, God in his um, infinite wisdom and his sovereignty was preparing the way for Jesus. And you see parallels all throughout the Old Testament, these, these kind of um, things that are, that are set up for what Jesus was, was going to do. And you see parallel after parallel after parallel, and I believe that you see a parallel here in the 23rd Psalm as David, a very young David, a shepherd, was writing out of the passion of his heart about what he was doing. And so we have the young David writing this psalm, and so I want to begin today um, by reading Psalm 23. And we're going to read the whole passage together and then focus on a few verses this morning. He begins and he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Just in reading the psalm itself, just in hearing the words that David wrote so long ago at such a presumably young age, I don't know about you, but it just brings peace, doesn't it? It just brings peace. We have David, who is a shepherd, describing how he is being led by his shepherd, the Lord God. And it's amazing because when we think of the 23rd Psalm, if any of you have ever watched like maybe a, a, you know, an illustrated version of this, or if you grew up in the day and age that, that I grew up in and you went to church and you um, went to a Sunday school class and you had the flannel graphs on the board, if you saw that ever, 
we have this picture in our minds of thick, tall, lush grass. And David leading his sheep around in this thick green grass. Back in Atlanta where we lived in our first home, uh, when Cynthia and I bought our first home in the late 1990s, um, we had fescue grass. And fescue grass during the middle of the summer dries out and it kind of kind of gets, you know, kind of dies. Um, but then in the fall and throughout most of the winter and throughout uh, most of the spring, it grows and it, and it grows long and it grows tall and it grows thick. And, and I remember getting out my lawnmower in the fall and I'm from Florida. So, you know, like grass really grows kind of all year round and you just keep it cut every week. But I would cut it every other week and I would push the lawnmower through the grass and it would stop in the middle because it was so thick. And that's kind of the picture that we have in our mind of, of David leading this flock around in this thick green grass. But I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you ever seen a picture of Israel? <laughs> Have you ever like gotten on, on Google Earth and like zoomed in to where it is? I'll tell you this. You're not going to find much grass. You're not going to see much green. And there are different times of the year that in the desert things will grow and it'll get lush. But for most of the year in the area that David would have led his flock around, what the green pastures would have meant is desert where there would have been a few little sprigs of grass that would have grown in between rocks that would have gathered because of moisture that would have come off the Mediterranean Sea just a little bit. And at night, the moisture would have collected on the bottom of the rocks and gave that little grass the nutrients that it needed to grow green and to grow it all. And then he would lead his flock around, and they would find little sprigs every once in a while of grass, just what they needed for that day. And so when we read about the green pastures in verse 2, it's not what we think at all. The geography was barren. It was desolate. It was a desert. There were deep valleys. There were rough edges. There were mountainsides and passes that you would take your flock through to get from point A to point B. It was never, I want you to hear this, it was never easy. Getting around in the desert in David's time. And he talks about green pastures. And when we read about green pastures, I, I, I want us to have a different understanding of, of how God provides. Because absolutely, God can be a God who will provide abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. But our God also provides on an as-needed daily basis to meet our need just when we need it at the last moment. And then David goes on, and as the shepherd, he talks about different things. He talks about leading him along paths of righteousness, still waters. Talks about the valley of the shadow of death. If you're a Clemson fan, it's different. Okay, I'm just telling you, it's different. It's not Death Valley. But it was, in many cases, it was desolate. And it was harsh. 
Then we come to verse 5. And I want you to take a look at this because this is where we see a great parallel beyond the fact that David was a shepherd and Jesus was the great shepherd. Beyond the fact that he provides all of those descriptions that David gives. He provides us peace in the midst of the storm. He provides us calm in the midst of our worry. He provides relief from anxiety and depression. But I think one of the greatest parallels that we have in Psalm 23 comes in verse 5. Because David writes, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now David is a shepherd. He would have faced enemies all day long. There would have been you know, potential threats to his flock. There would have been cliffs that they might have walked off of. There, there would have been the danger of a, of a vicious animal waiting in the distance. There, there might have been the, um, the, the danger of perhaps in the middle of, of the desert, dry, dry enough air that they might have died from lack of water or perhaps lack of food. And David writes that you, God, prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And what we have implied here is is that David and the flock that he was leading was in a sense in a battle. They were in a battle against the elements. They were at war against what was going on around them. And there there were enemies all around. And he says, you Lord, prepare a table. And I thought, you know, why wouldn't David have written there, um, Lord, you prepare for me a spear, or you prepare for me a way home, or you prepare for me perhaps ammunition to defeat the enemy. And I believe that the reason that we read here that he prepares a a table in the midst of the battle, I don't want you to miss this this morning, is because when we have a victory When we have a victory in our lives, when we uh, watch a sports team go out, speaking of Clemson, and and, 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 uh, have a successful victory, at some point in time, at the end of that victory, what do you have? You have the team gathering together for a meal, right? They gather together and they celebrate together the victory that was won. And I want you to understand today that what David was talking about was not a physical meal, although I'm sure that God provided him sustenance along the way. But this was a table that was prepared in the midst of a battle, in the midst of threats, in the midst of an enemy. And it was God saying to David, and it was David agreeing with God, that the victory is already here. And today, if you walked in with feeling alone, if you walked in with anger, if you walked in with anxiety, if you walked in today and you have fear because Hurricane Matthew was about a year ago and we're watching what Harvey is doing to Texas and we need to be praying for Texas today. And if you're here today and you have fear about what the future may hold in your financial life or in a relationship that has gone completely sideways that you never thought about in a million years, I want you to hear today that if you're here and you believe in Jesus, if you have a walk with God, if you're a Christ follower today, that the victory is already, listen, it's already in 
front of you, regardless of what you're facing tomorrow, regardless of the emotion that is rising up in you, thinking about having to leave this place and wake up in the morning. Um, doesn't matter what you're facing, whether it's a health issue, whether it's a crisis of, of faith, crisis of not knowing what tomorrow holds and loneliness, perhaps. Think about David out in the middle of the wilderness. The wilderness and the desert were synonymous in Scripture. Out in the middle of the wilderness, alone, I'm sure scared at moments. And he, in Psalm 23, writes this amazing passage that God takes care of every single need. And in the midst of his greatest fear and his greatest time of loneliness, there, right in the middle of it, is a feast (laughs) celebrating the victory that he already has because he's with the Lord. He's with the great shepherd. And today, in a little bit, we're going to be celebrating communion together. We're going to be coming around the Lord's table. We're going to be giving thanks for what God did by sending Jesus to die on the cross to save us from our sins. And I want you to know that the victory is already, already won. It's already there. That's the table. That's what we're doing today. And you have those times when you're afraid, when you're scared, when you don't know what to do, when you're stuck in life, when you're alone. He is always there with you. He's always there with you. He's not just a young shepherd boy with a staff and a rod. He's the Savior. He's the great shepherd, the one that cares for you deeply, the one that cares for all of us deeply. God, we thank you so much for David's words. And as we throughout the summer have stopped and considered your words from David, inspired by your Holy Spirit for us today, God, I pray as we have looked at Psalm 23 just briefly this morning, God, we thank you for the victory. We thank you, God, that you provide for our every need, even if we can't see it in the moment. That you're there little by little, every step of the way. And when we're afraid, when we're angry, when we're filled with anxiety or despair or loneliness beyond comprehension, God, we thank you that you, like David the shepherd, are there for us. God, help us right now to realize that you're there for us. Even if right now the loneliness and the fear and the anxiety has overtaken us, God, help us to trust in you. And we thank you that you've already given us the victory over these things. Thank you, Obed Shepherd, for being there for us. In Jesus' name, I pray. you will be with me when I'm standing in the fire 
will not be overcome Through the valley of the shadow I will not fear Cause I am not alone I am not alone You will go breaking through the dark of night will not overtake me I am pressing into you Lord you fight my every battle and I will not fear Cause I am not alone I am not alone You will go
The good shepherd, as Jesus is described in the New Testament, when it was the Passover feast, when everyone was gathering in Jerusalem, as the Jewish people did, he gathered with his disciples in, in an upper room there in Jerusalem. And he gathered them together and expressed the importance of them remembering what God had done for the nation of Israel by saving them from, from the Egyptians. And they were celebrating the Passover feast that day in Jerusalem. And Jesus takes that great ancient time of remembering the goodness of God and he says, this is something that I want you to do. As often as you think of it, remembering me. There's several different places where it's described what he does. In Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20, he says, And when the hour came, he reclined at the table. There's the table, just like Psalm 23. And the apostles were with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He knew what was about to come, and he told them to be thankful, and he tells us today, over 2,000 years later, to continue the practice of remembering what the great shepherd did. And so today, uh, we're going to be partaking of communion, and you may have come from a background that it was maybe called something different. We, we call it numerous things, the Lord's table, communion. Some of you may have come from a background where you called it uh, Eucharist, which that's a word that means thanksgiving, or giving thanks, being thankful. So that's what we're here to do today. We're, we're thankful that the victory is already ours, not because of anything that we did, but because of what Jesus did, what the great shepherd did by dying on that cross, by having his body be broken for us and his blood spilled for the forgiveness of our sins. Oh, and I don't know about you, I'm so thankful for that. Because without that, we wouldn't have the promise of heaven. And that's the gospel message that's why Jesus did that. He did it for you and for me so that when we die one day, we can spend eternity with God. That's why we come around this table today and, and we give thanks. And so today we're going to do this as a church family. And I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead and prepare the, the bread this morning. And um, we're going to sing a song. And um, as we sing, they're going to be passing that bread out. And I'm going to ask you to hold on to it for a moment. And we're going to partake together. We're going to celebrate together just like Jesus and his disciples did. Just like back in that day, the whole city of Jerusalem was gathering together with that table before them in the presence of their enemies. And today, as you hold that bread, I want you to think about the victory that's already yours because of the body of Christ that was broken for you. So, ushers, would you go ahead and distribute the bread this morning?
this morning as you hold that wafer in your hand, that small cracker in your hand, it's a symbol of the sacrifice that Jesus made. And I want you to think about the lengths to which he went for you so that you could have eternity in heaven. 
Luke 22, verse 19, says that Jesus, he took the bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You can partake this morning. And Father, we thank you so much for the body that was broken, beaten, torn for us. For your body that you willingly allowed those nails to go through your hands and your feet for us. We thank you so much for your body. And we celebrate this morning with gratitude, with humility, your body that was broken. And we thank you. As we just sang, we were desperate for it. We thank you for it. When Jesus uh, was done, they passed around the cup. Today you're going to be receiving that cup. And as you hold it there, I just want to remind you of the symbolism. It represents the blood of Christ. It represents his blood that was shed. The Bible all the way back in the Old Testament in the time of David talked about the fact that there had to be bloodshed for forgiveness of sin that God would send his only son to do that for us so that we could have eternity in heaven. It's never, never beyond. Just, I don't know about you, but my unbelief that, that God would do that for me. And as you hold that, before we take together as a church family, I want you to think about that and the pain that he went through, the suffering that he went through, the blood loss that he went through for each one of us willingly so that we can have heaven one day. Ushers, you all can prepare the cup and you can begin passing the cup. You can take that cup and hold on to it for a moment until we partake together after we sing. You spoke and words were formed You breathed and life was born You knew that one day you would come So far from heaven's throne Clothed in human form You showed the world the Father's love You gave, you gave your life away You gave, you gave your life away You gave, you gave your life away for me. Your grace is broken, never changed. My sins are gone, my debt's been paid. You gave, you gave your life away for me. You gave, you gave your life away. You gave. 
gave your life away. You gave, you gave your life away for me. And your grace has broken every chain. My sins are gone, my debt's been paid. You gave, you gave your life away for me. Jesus up in that upper room with his disciples remembering the victory that God provided the nation of Israel taking them out of their bondage crossing that Red Sea they're remembering and being ever thankful for the victory that they had and he tells his disciples in Luke 22 verse 20 and he says this and likewise the cup after they had eaten they took it and he said this this cup that was poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So we can take that this morning. Would you join me? And God, we thank you so much for your blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sin. And we thank you so much for what you did on the cross for us. And God, we celebrate that. And we thank you for that. And we thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I've asked Jim Daniel, one of our elders, to come up, and he is also just going to continue in the spirit of prayer this morning as uh, we have been thankful for the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to ask you to pray this morning as well. Thank you, Jim. Let's just take a minute to thank God for this wonderful sacrifice that we are now celebrating. We thank you, Lord, for your body and your blood that was broken and shed for us, that you loved us so much that you would do this for us, Lord. And as we celebrate that this morning, we pray that our celebration would be pleasing to you, Lord, that in our spirits, Lord, we would know that you are the great shepherd, that Jesus, our Lord, Lord, cares for us in a way that we could never understand. But we're thankful, eternally thankful, Lord, that we have been reconciled to you through the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that as we reflect on this today, that we will be renewed in our spirits and thankful in our hearts, and that we would always know, Lord, that you are there for us in all things at all times. And we just lift this up to you, Lord, giving you thanks and praise forever. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.